What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Inner Athlete. This is episode number 43. And I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to start to take some time to kind of dive into some of the different hormones, uh, maybe some of the ones that I feel like people tend to focus on a little bit more than others, and give you guys a little bit more of a background and understanding of them. Uh, Before I kind of get into this podcast episode, I do want to say this one thing, and that is that Big reminder is even if you might resonate with some of the things I say in this podcast episode today, when I'm talking about cortisol, don't start diagnosing yourself with anything, any kind of low cortisol levels, high cortisol levels. If you think that there is something going on, there is some kind of hormone disruption, then definitely get some blood levels checked. I always recommend that for people, but it's really important to know that a lot of the symptoms that you're going to see in one hormone imbalance are also going to be very similar to another. And the reason for that is all of our hormones are very, very, very closely related. Um, obviously, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today and, and how you know they're actually you know processed and made in our body. But you, you might often find that just because one hormone's off, that other hormones are also disrupted. So chances are, if you've got a problem with one, you probably have problems with other ones. And so it's always important to kind of think about that when you're, you know, obviously doing any kind of self-diagnostic and diagnostics or anything like that. So let's just kind of dive right into it though, like get talking. Uh, We got cortisol on par today. And cortisol is probably one of the most misunderstood um, hormones out there because we don't like what happens when we have too much cortisol. You see on your, like whatever your little ads that pop up on your screen about elevated cortisol levels, you know, remove these foods from your diet, or is cortisol making you fat? You see all these different things out there. And it is true. We can become very afraid of too much cortisol in the body. But the thing is, is that the things that we need to be doing to lower cortisol are very rarely applied. And so that's what I want to kind of talk to you guys about. Um, Now, basically what cortisol is, it is a steroid hormone. And I'm going to start with stopping there and telling you that steroid hormone, think about it this way. Think about the creams and stuff that you would put on um, anything that's like super itchy, right? They'll give you like a cortisone cream, or you might get a cortisone injection because that primary goal of that cream or that injection is to reduce, reduce inflammation. That is one of the things I'm going to talk about with cortisol today. But cortisol is made in the adrenal glands and it is released to combat any type of perceived stress whether it's a a physical stretch, stress, a psychological stress, an emotional stress, mental stress, it is designed to help um, fight off whatever that stressor might be. It is regulated and um, in the hypothalamus, well, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So you might more more or less know that as the HPA axis. Um, and we, we're going to kind of dive into a little bit of the things you might've heard about, especially if you're in the CrossFit realm is, oh my gosh, adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction. That is all part of a cortisol regulation issue. Um, but our, our cortisol levels are so much more than, than more than that. And before I kind of go talking about all of these different things that could go wrong with them, I want you guys to understand how cortisol works in a normal functioning cortisol wave our cortisol levels are meant to rise and fall much like the daylight. Um, Like it was just kind of the way we were designed is that um, when we were hunter gatherers, we would have a, a peak or a rise in cortisol as daylight came and a lowering of it as night came. So that would remind us that in the morning, we need to go forward, we need to go hunt for food. And then the evenings we need to be resting and digesting. As you can see right there alone, you can already find where some things in our common day world might be disrupting that. Uh, AKA a lot of the shift workers, those of you guys that stay up super late at night, um, even things like, you know, raising brain function at nine, 10 o'clock at night uh, with phones and all these different things, Netflix and stuff like that. So um, 
Our cortisol levels are meant to be the highest between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. with a little bit of a surge happening about 30 to 45 minutes after we wake up. So the goal of that is that's the peak of our cortisol levels. And then from there, they should slowly start to decrease as we go throughout our day. So that by around 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. at night, they should be at their lowest. And that is kind of like the norm for a cortisol, a, a good cortisol curve. And another reason for that, or I shouldn't say reason for that, but another thing to kind of think about is um, one of the counters of uh, cortisol is melatonin or the counter of uh, cortisol is melatonin. Melatonin is produced at night to help us sleep better. So um, cortisol levels decrease throughout the day, melatonin increases. If cortisol is too high, melatonin can't produce. So we, we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about how that affects things. Um, but the goal, like I said, is we've got a couple of primary functions and we've got a couple of secondary functions. The one I kind of had already talked to you guys a little bit about is it is a natural anti-inflammatory. So um, as I mentioned with like the creams and the steroid shots and stuff like that, it is going to naturally help your body um, fight off any kind of inflammation. Another big role of cortisol is blood sugar regulation. So if our blood sugar drops, our body is going to take protein, convert them into amino acids, break those down into glucose via glucogenesis and provide some kind of way for our body's blood sugar levels to be regulated. Now I know what you're thinking right there. Okay. If, if proteins are being broken down into sugar, what does that mean for my muscle? And that's where too much cortisol can be a bad thing. And that's why the main goal should be regulating blood sugar levels, not figure out how to stop that process. So those are some of the primary functions. Some of the secondary functions of cortisol um, are digestion. I think this is why people don't realize, um, and, you know, we'll talk stress, but, you know, stress obviously is going to increase our cortisol levels because, as I said, cortisol is our body's natural um, way to fight off any kind of stressors. So in a stressful situation, um, your body is usually using cortisol to help with digestion. If there's other stressors going on, digestion is going to be a little bit up, upset. This is where I think you run into people with like the IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, things like that. Because cortisol does stimulate gastric acid, gastric acid production, and it aids also, this is a big one, in the metabolism of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So um, knowing how metabolism works, knowing how we want our energy to be utilized, our cortisol levels help to make sure and ensure that we are utilizing our nutrients appropriately. And we're going to talk about how all this might affect some of you guys who are like, well, what about the weight gain that happens with high cortisol and stuff like that? Um, as I kind of already mentioned, it's just one I keep kind of mentioning is the upholding of the resistance to stressors. So we're talking emotional stress. It gives us the, the mental cognition to be able to, to like recognize a perceived threat. That is something that we need to, okay. So for instance, if I'm being chased by somebody that has a, you know, a knife, or if I'm like just literally stressed out because of an email. So we've got the mental cognition to be able to differentiate between the two. Um, it also, and this is another one that I'm going to kind of mention too, because I'm going to talk more about this is it inhibits excessive loss of sodium through the urine. So um, this is big for those of you guys who find that you're, you know, just looking at symptoms. Um, you have to wake up frequently throughout the night to pee. So um, with that, your body is hopefully using cortisol to fight off any significant loss in salt or sodium in the body. Um, it maintains blood pressure and those are pretty much most of the main functions. A lot of them, obviously, as you can see, what you're finding the common theme is it's kind of like your body's way to handle stress. It kind of keeps your body in homeostasis. And that's really, if you want to think about anything that I just said and not get too into the weeds, just know that cortisol 
is always there to kind of bring your body back, back to regular, back to regulation. Now, we can have low levels of cortisol, we can have high levels of cortisol. And low levels of cortisol, you might find that you get dizziness, um, pain, inflammation, maybe some fatigue, muscle weakness. You might see weight loss or weight gain and even low blood pressure. Somebody with high levels of cortisol could see some of those weight gain, but they also might see high blood pressure, obviously muscle weakness, like I already mentioned. Um, also mood swings, lots of anxiety, depression, uh, memory issues, um, foggy brain. And a big one here, guys, is thyroid condition, thyroid issues, low thyroid, all of those things. And there are a number of factors that affect our levels of cortisol in our bloodstream. Some of them you guys are already going to be familiar with, um, but then others that you guys might never really even think about. And one of them is diet. So we can definitely use diet as a corrective measure towards cortisol, but diet does play a big factor in cortisol production because, as I mentioned, one of the primary functions of cortisol is to regulate blood sugar. So if somebody's eating a lot of high glycemic carbohydrates, a lot of sugar, not eating a lot of protein, fiber, and whole foods, um, they are going to be producing more cortisol to help regulate blood sugar. Another one is um, inflammatory foods. If you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods, your body's also having to fight off the inflammation from those as well. Um, another uh, thing that can affect our cortisol levels, which is one that you guys are probably more familiar with, is exercise. So exercise is kind of a two-piece because exercise actually does help bring cortisol levels down if it's done in the right balance. So Whenever we exercise, our body is going to produce cortisol and adrenaline. You know, you're going to get that feeling of like flush, like ready to go, like blood pumping, all of that stuff. And then in a normal case, when you're done exercising, you're, everything's going to go back to, down to normal. You're going to go back into that normal, you know, whatever your norm, normal homeostasis is. But with elevated levels of cortisol from too much exercise, and this is common in like the, um, in the, uh, like endurance world, um, your body is going to start to actually respond in a negative way. So uh, you might start losing leanness. You might start getting poor recovery. Your body just can't even, it can't produce enough cortisol to fight off all of that stress. And so you might start to see that your performance kind of goes down. You're not as lean. Maybe you're a little bit more exhausted. Maybe you're getting, you know, more prone to injury uh, and all those kinds of things. And this is also where I can kind of talk a little bit about that HPA axis, but I'm going to save that for later because the next one I want to talk about is stress. And even though we might not perceive some of our daily stressors as dangerous, our body doesn't really know the difference. So when you open your email in the morning and you see this email from your boss and it like angers you and it frustrates you and you get this like, like flush in your face. And now you're thinking about it, like your body is reacting to that. And whether it's a perceived stress of like, you're about to get, you know, eaten by a tiger or your boss is about to walk in and like ream you, your body doesn't know the difference. You're still bringing that cortisol level up. And so it's really important to kind of make sure that we're managing that. Um, caffeine also raises cortisol levels and alcohol uh, raises cortisol levels, cortisol levels because it does um, cause issues with your blood sugar. And then this one is kind of like a catch 22 when it comes to cortisol is sleep because sleep can be disrupted by cortisol, but cortisol levels can also be positively influenced by proper sleep. So it's kind of like you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg. So at the end of the day, what I want you to know is as we kind of talk about, you know, some of the issues that we're going to see with cortisol issues and how to uh, repair them, that sleep is an important factor in regulating your cortisol levels. So kind of talking about how this cortisol level works and what actually goes wrong and why it becomes a problem when we have elevated cortisol is understanding what's going on with our nervous system. So 
in periods of stress, our, our sympathetic nervous system, our flight or fight nervous system is, is signaled. It, we get that, like I said, we get that we're getting ready to work out. We're getting ready for, maybe you're getting, maybe you're a competitive athlete and you're getting ready to walk in the field. You know, you get that elevated heart rate, your, your blood sugar, your blood pressure, everything kind of goes up. You're very attentive and aware, like you're super ready to go. Like you're, you're like alert. Everything is tense. Like you're, you're fired, like you're ready to fire off. Okay. That's your sympathetic nervous system. It gets a signal that the adrenals need to produce adrenaline and cortisol and boom, you go to work. That's normal. That is an acute stress. And that is normal throughout our life. Like we're supposed to have that happen. That's where exercise can be a great benefit. But what's supposed to happen is after that happens, we fight, we, we win, we win the battle. Um, our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest is supposed to take over. And that should help us bring things back down. Less cortisol is released. We kind of, you know, relax a little bit. We're, you know, ready to eat, whatever it might be. So the problem with right now is in the chronic or in the common day world is, uh, so just kind of looking at the CrossFit community in general, because that's where my main, my, my main life is, is we go from, we're going to the gym at 6am, we're hitting the workout, we're rushing, we're taking a shower, going to fight traffic, then going right to the job. Um, some of you guys not eating to bring down cortisol levels because diet does play a factor in that. Um, and we're just constantly keeping this chronic elevation over time. That is where we have a problem. So if that happens for two to three weeks, not a big deal, two to three months, meh, not so much over the course of years, it becomes a huge problem. And that's when we start to see issues. And this is where a lot of people in their forties and fifties are like now having all of these hormone issues. And it's not because of anything that they're doing right now. It's from the last 10 to 15 years of their life. They're, they're chronically being on the go, burning the candle at both ends. And now it's catching up to them. It's not an age related issue. It is a lifestyle related issue that is now bit, bit, like they can't do anything about it. I was going to say bit them in the butt. <laughs> um, so, and this is where we can kind of talk about this HPA axis dysfunction. So as we know, our hypothalamic, uh, okay, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis is like, I just want to say HPA axis, by the way. Um, it is designed to help produce cortisol amongst other hormones as well, but I'm talking specific to cortisol today. And, and basically what happens is when your body is under chronic stress and it's chronically producing cortisol, it's flooding the system, it's flooding the system. Um, just like when we're getting too much sugar in our diet, our insulin levels are flooded because we're trying to fight off the insulin. Eventually with insulin, our body becomes insulin resistant. We can't produce any more insulin. Our body's now like not even getting the signals. And with cortisol levels, your adrenals have now become like so resistant to all the stress. Like it just can't produce anymore. And this is where you'll see somebody go from a high level of cortisol to a very low level of cortisol. And as I mentioned in the beginning, cortisol is a good thing. The right amount of cortisol keeps your body healthy. It keeps your body in a place that's constantly ready to fight off any stressors. But now in this state of being broken down, your body has no way to fight off any of the stressors, any of the inflammation. So now you're getting a lot more aches and pains. Now you're getting a lot of sleep disruption. Now you're tired all the time. Maybe you wake up in the morning and you have no energy. And then all of a sudden at, you know, six, eight o'clock at night, all of a sudden you have tons of energy. Everything is disrupted. Your melatonin production is disrupted. Everything is kind of haywire. And you've created this, what they call the HPA axis dysfunction. And it's something that I think we all kind of like, I personally think that I don't, I don't want to say that everybody deals with a little bit of that dysfunction in general, but I think we all know what it feels like to be in that state. And as I mentioned, in an acute state, 
we can definitely fight it off. We can definitely fend it off and come back to normal. But in a chronic state, it can become a huge derailment from our normal everyday life and can actually really, really hinder our ability to, to be productive. Um, and I'm going to be quite honest with you guys here because this is something that I, I've never, I will never diagnose myself. I will always tell you, I will beat around the bush of actually telling myself I'm sick before I'm sick. I don't go to the doctor. Um, but I know that I live a very high stress, high demand life. I love my life. I have always been a kind of person who is on the go. I have never been a person that likes to relax very easily. Um, you know, but I know that working at a competitive level in CrossFit, also working at a competitive level, um, I shouldn't say competitive level, but really giving full value into my clients and all of the things that I want to do and produce this year. Um, I don't take a lot of downtime and it's something that I am really focusing on is trying to decrease my level of stress because it has been chronically elevated and I have started to experience some of the negative effects of that. So, um, all right. So kind of like I had a few other notes here that I want to go about, cause this is where I want to kind of talk to you guys a little bit about like, how does this cortisol level being elevated relate to other hormones, how does stress and all of these things, because obviously as you hear, cortisol is the stress hormone. So obviously it is triggered by stressors. How does that affect everything else in our body? And this is a big one for those of you guys that do have maybe issues with estrogen, progesterone, testosterone levels, anything like that. Okay. There is another hormone, they call it the mother of all hormones. It's called, and I'm probably saying this wrong. So if I am, don't hate me or don't kill me. Pregnenolone. Okay. It is essentially the raw material and they call it the mother of all hormones because it is kind of the precursor to them. So this is what our body needs to produce things like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, DHEA, and all the other steroid hormones out there. So if your body is constantly trying to produce more cortisol, what do you think is going on in the other areas? And this is where I can kind of talk to you guys about a dietary thing is in a calorie deficit. I know that I've mentioned this before, for those of you guys that might have reproductive issues or any other hormone issues, if your body's getting signals that there's not enough energy available, it's going to utilize that energy that's available where it needs it most. And that means that hormones for reproduction are going to take the backseat burner. Much like that, when pregnant pregnenolone needs to keep producing more cortisol, what do you think it's going to say takes the back burner in terms of production, aka all those other hormones that your body doesn't necessarily need right now. It's got to fight off this stressor that's potentially trying to kill you. So this is where that can become a really big thing for you guys to understand is that they are, they're all related coming back to managing life, training, work, health, emotional stresses. Another thing to think about in terms of um, regulation of cortisol levels is what I mentioned before is that insulin factor. So if your blood sugar is constantly going up and down, and this is how it's going to relate to uh, your weight gain and your weight issue, your weight issues is that your body is constantly going to be trying to produce insulin or trying to regulate blood sugars. When your body eventually gets too much insulin in the body, there's not enough to produce. It's going to mess up the way your body utilizes and stores energy for future, future use. And this is where all of a sudden a person can't tolerate carbohydrates as much. Their body's not utilizing carbohydrates the way they were. They have become insulin resistant. Um, and this is where you can actually start gaining weight. Uh, there's a couple of other reasons why you're going to start gaining weight with cortisol. One of the big reasons is, as I mentioned, you know, cortisol being a stress hormone, your body has the most cortisol receptors in your abdomen because that is where your vital organs are. So when there is a stressor that is not going away, it's becoming chronic. Your body is storing in that abdomen because it wants to make sure 
that it's protected in case of an emergency. So it's storing fuel, it's storing energy so that if there was a starvation issue or whatever issue there might be, it's got some stores to pull from. And this is another one that I actually um, really was interested in. And, and that's a hormone that is related to cortisol, um, but in a different way. And that's aldosterone. Aldosterone is a different hormone. It's not cortisol, but it is very much related to cortisol production. And what aldosterone does is it helps to regulate water balance and electrolytes and also your blood pressure. But under stress, your body is going to hold on to salt. And this is also one of the reasons why during times of high stress, people's body weights go up. Even though they're not gaining body fat, they might see a, a really rapid um, change in the scale. Their body is holding on to that salt because it's afraid of things. And what you'll often see is that this happens where they might actually get up a lot during the night to use the bathroom because their body is getting signals like, okay, I'm relaxed. It's okay to release this salt. So that was the other thing that I wanted to mention on, on terms of that. Now, I honestly have no notes on this part because I feel like I know all the right things to say and I know all the right things to do, even for myself here, but it comes down to how do we manage stress? I would like to say, how do we eliminate stress? Well, there are some stressors that we do want to fight to eliminate, right? So we can control dietary stressors. We can make sure that we're getting in enough fiber, enough fruits and vegetables, enough antioxidants, not getting a ton of processed foods, a ton of sugar in our diet. We can do those things that are going to help manage the dietary stress. We can make sure we're taking in enough water. We can make sure we're getting in the right amount of exercise. So we're getting in, if we're living a high stress job, we're definitely not adding a lot of high stress activity in terms of our training. We're likely doing more gentle walking and movement throughout the day to kind of promote healthy levels of cortisol in our body. Um, but some of the other things that we can't control, right? So we can't always control, um, our boss giving us, uh, you know, extra work to do. We can't always control, you know, our kids fighting in the living room. We can't always control like coming home to the dog that pooped all over the floor. We can't control those kinds of stressors. However, we can control how we are going to react to them. And I'm not saying that I want everybody to go out there to take up meditation and yoga and just like, Oh, it's fine. Like it comes in one ear and out the other, because guess what? That's also going to actually be a stressor to some people. And I am one of those people. The thought of trying to add something into my routine only adds more stress to me. Meditation is not something that I've ever really been able to get into. And it actually makes me stress more. But for some people, that can be it. For me, it's getting up and going for a walk. It's For me, it's doing some organization in my house, whatever I like to do to de-stress, coloring in a book. Um, but finding ways to learn how to deal with our stressors a little bit better, even from the way we react to them. So getting a bad email, you know, it might make us have an emotion. How can we act unemotionally to things without, you know, getting into this crazy, oh my gosh, I've got to deal with this or, or worrying about it all day. And I'll be honest, I talk to my mother about this all the time because my mother is a chronic worrier and it doesn't matter what it is. She's going to worry. I'm like, mom, you can't control that. Why are you worrying about it? And it's easier said than done, I know. But the more you practice that and you really just take some time to think before you act or react, you will be in a less stressful environment. And one of the questions I did not have the answer to, and um, it's something that I wish I did, is if you are somebody who is dealing with any kind of a cortisol issue, you know you've got lots of stress in your life. Um, and you're really, really, really wanting to make some lifestyle changes. And you're like, you know what? I really want to start working on decreasing my stress levels, you know, trying to work on managing things better, going to bed a little bit earlier. You know, like for me, I'm like turning my phone off after 6 PM. I'm doing some other things like that, but how do we 
how long do we need to expect before we're actually going to start to see any kind of uh, change? Like, you know, for most of us, it's a physical change you want to see. So if you are putting on unnecessary body weight or you can't seem to lose weight and it's related to stress, like how long is it going to take before our body's like going to respond? And I'll be honest, it's going to be very case by case basis. You know, and the good rule of thumb is always how long have you been distressed for to know how long you need to expect it to take. And I'm not saying that you're going to, you're, it's probably going to happen so subtly over the next three to six months. So let's just say you've been living a stressful, maybe the last six months of your life has been super stressful and you know, you're deciding today to start to make changes. You might not notice a change today, tomorrow, next week, but I would say that if it took you six months to get there in six months, you should see a pretty good reversal. So you should be pretty back to homeostasis by that. So that's a good rule of thumb. Now, I think when you get into the chronic stress over years, I don't think it's going to necessarily take that long. And I'm not going to say that off, like, you know, for like, what's the word I'm looking for with hundred percent accuracy or with 100% commitment or, or guarantee. But what I am going to say is if you've been living, living chronically stressed for years, your body's become so adapted to that, that even though you might not ever get back to where you were before you started getting that stressed out, I don't think it's going to take you years to reverse it. But I do think that it will take a little bit longer and that over the course of the next year, you might start to slowly notice things get better. So at the three month mark, you might be like, wow, I'm in a better place. Six months from now, you might be better than you were three months ago, nine months from now. And as long as you're always working on getting more improved stress reactions, then you're on the right track. And, and I actually posted this today on my social media about, um, and this is not related to, to cortisol, but the fact that, you know, most people focus so much on the scale. They want to lose weight. They want to lose weight. And that's their main driver. And they, and they are so focused on that one thing and they get frustrated and some of them give up or they, they say, this isn't working or yada, yada, yada. They're forgetting about the progress that they actually want to see. So even though the goal is they, they know that they've gained weight, they know that they need to lose weight. The goal is looking better and feeling better every single day. So even if that number isn't changing, but those two things are progressing and over time that number starts to change, like that's the right thing. So focus on what you want, which is as, as somebody that wants to lose weight, they want to like how they look better. They want to look how they feel better. They want to feel better when they wake up in the morning and they see themselves in the mirror, just like with you guys that are out there trying to manage stress. Okay. The goal is obviously to feel hundred percent. But if every day, every action you take is making you feel a little bit better, suddenly the things that used to bother you don't bother you as much. Suddenly you can be stressed out and not let it ruin your day. You know, you don't reach for salty foods. You don't reach for those things anymore because you've learned how to manage things better. You're in a good place. So keep going on your journey. And I know that I, obviously this was a little bit um, all over the place, but it's super hard to, to stay focused on one topic, like I mentioned, because the hormones are so complex. They're also intertwined and inter interrelated, but I knew that this one would be a good one to start with. Uh, so hopefully this brought some value to you guys. If you did get value out of this episode, please let me know, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM. Even better, if you can do me a favor and help me grow my podcast by maybe um, snapping a screenshot of this on your Instagram stories for me and tagging me in it, I would love to know that you're listening. And uh, that's it, guys. Have a good week.